welcome back to TVD with Yvette and Yeyo. I hope you started dancing or at least tapping your feet wherever you're tuning in from because today we are going to be talking about cumbias and listening to cumbias. Yeah. yeah. I just want to dance. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just heard the <laughs> and I automatically started dancing. It's like, where's the party at, y'all? I know. It's right here, so tune in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, that's right. We are going to be talking about cumbias, the cumbias that take you back to all the fiestas we used to go to (laughs) pre-COVID. You know, the other day I was thinking, like, what are we going to call, like, pre-COVID times? Like, there's definitely going to be, like, a pre-COVID time and, like, a post-COVID so I was thinking, like, um, you know, like, BC or AC. It makes sense. Before COVID, after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to change. It's there. It was written in history all along. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. But it's so funny because I had literally the same thought this morning. I took the subway. Yeah. And then I – it's hard for me to be in super crowded spaces now. And when someone mm-hmm. comes too close to me, it's not like I'm afraid of getting sick, but I feel like yeah. slightly more anxious when I'm surrounded by more unknown persons. So then I was just like, definitely. I wonder how long this is going to last, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's scary. Like, I've been seeing memes about, like, remember the times when we used to blow on birthday cakes and then split it amongst each other? <laughs> Like, we don't even think about doing anything like that anymore. I, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, but it is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? I know, I feel like at first it was, like, the anxiety of, like, for me, the anxiety of staying indoors and, like, not being able to go outside. And I think I'm going to have, like, the reverse thing, like, the opposite is going to happen where... I'll be too anxious to go outside. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Kumia. <laughs> so for me personally, I don't remember a time where there wasn't Kumia in my life. I love listening to Kumias. I love dancing Kumias. And most of all, I like butchering them when I sing them. <laughs> and I've honestly never explored the origins of Kumia, so I'm really excited to do this with everyone. I had a lot of fun researching and Googling my life away, so I'm excited to share some fun fi- fun findings. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I never really knew much about Cumbia. I always had this funny thought where I was like, so there's Mexican Cumbia? And then I recently, in the past few years, learned that Cumbia was Colombian, and I was like, I know! <laughs> This whole time, I had wondered how cumbia, like, was in Colombia and Mexico, you know? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. weird. So it was, it was, I learned a lot, which we will find out. Yeah, so, yeah, you'll tell us a little bit about the origins of cumbia. Yeah, so the origin of cumbia music comes from the days of slavery in the late 17th century and is derived from the African word cumbe, which means dance. Um... The black element in cumbia comes from cumbe, uh, a Bantu rhythm and dance from Boiko, an island in Equatorial uh, Guinea. Um, and yeah. 
basically I saw that and I had to Google oh. <laughs> to Google that. <laughs> I was like, I need to see this in a map. So grab your maps, everyone. Go on Google. Uh, Bioko Island is literally off the coast of Equatorial Guinea, like right under Cameroon and like Nigeria in that Gulf of Guinea. Um, I like to always visualize like where in the world like I'm talking about I need to see where specifically it is so I don't know for the visual learners out there (laughs) visuals are good I feel like geography was very much overlooked when I was in school (laughs) yeah um but yeah Cumbia was born out of a cultural mix of black and indigenous backgrounds um and the birthplace of Cumbia is subject to discussion by many scholars, I guess, of the topic. Uh, but it is definitely from, comes from Colombia, oh, Colombia, um, and near the settlement of African descendants. So again, as per our previous episode, thank you to our African brothers and sisters for another beautiful rhythmic music. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm going to share a little more about uh, about the the birth of cumbia. I was reading uh, a lot of debate online, like a lot of scholars argue different things, and it was really interesting. So the history that you just gave and the history that we're choosing um, is the one we chose. <laughs> it's the one we chose to go with. And it's the one that made the most sense to me. But uh, after I share a song, I'll talk uh, a little bit more about two other theories of where cumbia comes from. But I really, as soon as I read the word cumbe, which means dance, derived from um, the Bantu peoples, uh, I was like, yeah, definitely. This is African. Why are we even, (laughs) why are we even arguing it's not? (laughs) Um, so yeah, so cumbia began with a small band consisting of gaitas, which are types of flutes, la tambora, the maracas, and el guido, which I believe is that instrument that kind of looks like the, the metal washer thing. <laughs> yeah, up and down. It's like an up and down to, gesture, right? Yeah, ta- uh, tap up and down on the r- metal ridges. And mm, then, yeah, yeah. It. But there's there, there's metal ones and then there's wooden ones, no? Uh, this is a good question. I see... <laughs> I've seen I've seen mostly wood guidos, but I've also seen metal ones. So, I guess it depends with like technology and stuff like that. I'm assuming it was originally just, just like wood. Oh, it's a hollow and gourd. Then it, uh... It's a gourd. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess it's more like wood because gourds are mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So you're right, Yvette. Maybe there are metal ones. You know. So many innovations these days. I'm sure both of them exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, but Cumbia follows a one-two tempo, which is the base of its dance style, which also um, the dance style was born because of the restricted movements of shackled slaves. Um, You know, so that's where the one-two step uh, of the Cumbia dance comes from. Um, that's fucking sad. I know it is, uh. <laughs> but also I, I was thinking, yeah, it is, but also at the same time, I think there's so much hopefulness in that weirdly, because it's like 
these people were still dancing while they were shackled. Um, yeah. You know. So it was just, it, yeah. it's sad, but it's also like, oh, wow, they still are finding it, like, you know, that they created this dance out of this terrible thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so Kumia is very much working class music and in today's episode we are going to talk about the evolution of Kumia and how it was born in Colombia like we mentioned previously and then how it became widely accepted all over Latin America especially in Mexico. <laughs> Yayo and I were talking before this and we were like what? Kumia is not Mexican? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of different countries have adopted like their own versions of cumbia and you know have formed beautiful hybrids. Uh and we're going to talk about some of those today. So we're very excited and we hope you all enjoy and you know get your dance on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's dive into our first song. Thank you. 
So that was La Pollera Colorada by Pedro Salcedo y su orquesta. And, you know, this is one of those songs that we've all heard before. Right, Yayo? <laughs> I had actually not heard this song before. What? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, fine. Well, anyway, everyone else in the world <laughs> has heard the Pollera Colora before. And as you heard in the beginning of the song, you hear... All the instruments that Yeo mentioned earlier that cumbia consists of, which are the gaitas, the flutes, you hear the tambora, you hear the maracas, you hear the guido. So that's why I chose this song to share first because one, it's from Colombia. Two, you still kind of hear it in its indigenous form because, you know, now cumbia is super altered and we have all types of cumbias, but in this version, we still kind of hear it more or less how it sounded without European instruments. So that's one of the reasons I chose it. And this song came out in 1965, and it has since been covered a large amount of times. Uh, the version that I'm sharing is probably not the original one either, but it's the one that I like the most, so you're stuck listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, in the 1920s, Colombian dance bands began playing cumbia and adding horns, brass, and other orchestra instruments. And this is one of the bands that started doing that, right? Uh, it went from having just those, uh, just those instruments that I mentioned earlier and then adding, it, adding more instruments to create big ensembles. So in the 1930s, when Colombian bands started touring, uh, they couldn't afford to take all of their musicians with them when they traveled abroad. And when they started going to places like New York, they started working with Puerto Rican groups uh, to be able to perform because everyone else stayed back in Colombia. So they would ask uh, Puerto Rican musicians to step in and play the, uh, their instruments and basically perform cumbia. And that is one of the ways that cumbia started changing you started seeing like the Puerto Rican influence, which is a little more like salsa, a little, the cumbia became a little more fast paced, kind of like salsa. Um, so yeah, guys, immigration is a beautiful thing. It has yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful things come about it. So please don't be an asshole and don't be anti-immigration. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So uh, because I've heard this song so many times, I looked up the lyrics because I was like, I when I sing it, I just kind of mumble. I'm just like, -da 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 -da. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to delete that. No one needs to hear me. <laughs> it's OK. I do the same. I follow the music more than I do the actual words. <laughs> Yeah, so I was asking my sister, I was like, do you know what pollera colora means? <laughs> and she said, is it vagina? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I was like, you know what? Honestly, I thought it was that, too. I thought it was like, like a double meaning yeah. thing. Yeah, I definitely thought the song had a double meaning. And the pollera colorada was just like a, yeah. 
I totally thought the same thing, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so after doing some research, I learned that a pollera is actually the bright, the, the roughly skirt women in Colombia wear. They call them pollera. And colora is just another word for red. <laughs> <laughs> so this is specifically talking about a red skirt. <laughs> technically still have a double meaning (laughs) if we wanted to (laughs) so my sister wasn't that off (laughs) (laughs) yes so apoyera everyone is a brightly colored skirt uh yeah so i hope you enjoyed that cumbia and that i don't even know if i can call it history (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so Let's let's just move on to our next.
so that was Cumbia Sobre el Rio by Celso Piña, 2001, album Rebelde. Um, and oh my God, I love this song. Yes, this is a classic, yo. You hear this? And wherever you are, <laughs> you're just like, uh, who's dancing with me? <laughs> <laughs> We're dancing this. I'm dancing this by myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, the first time I, like, reheard this song while I was doing research, I just, like, had to stop and, mm-hmm. like, start dancing by myself in my room because I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, fun fact. I didn't know this. Celso Piña is from Mexico. <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. I just never, I don't know, I just assumed Celso Piña was not from Mexico until I found out. I was like, oh, oh wow, he's from Mexico. But yeah. He's from Monterrey. He says it in yeah. the song. That's <laughs> <Desde> Monterrey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. Celso Piña is considered a pioneer of the cumbia rebajada, um, and he taught himself to play the accordion in the 1980s uh, with no formal training, um, you know, and so he was able to, like, really create his own um, Mm -hmm. and, like, take the, you know, the base of cumbia with the instruments and start adding his own influence, such as, like, the accordion, which you can hear very clearly in this song. Um, Yeah. And then he started a band with his brothers called Celso Piña y su Ronda Bogotá. Uh, cumbia music um, is very, very popular in Mexico. Um, and it originally reached Mexico in the 1940s by way of Colombian singer Luis Carlos Meyer, who was also an immigrant. <laughs> um, and then he recorded Cumbia Cienaguera. Uh, in the 1950s, which is believed to be the first cumbia recorded outside of Colombia. And in Mexico, cumbia sort of was mixed with what was known as musica tropical, which basically refers to Cuban music. Mm-hmm. Um, things such as el son montuno, guaguanco, and el danzón. And then cumbia was also popularized during this time, which was also the golden era of film mm-hmm. um, in Mexico. Um, so cumbia was popularized through, through that even more to like the people. Um, so yeah, so Mexico has a multitude of subgenres. One, uh, two, the two most common are probably cumbia sonidera and techno cumbia, which we'll get into Mm. a little bit more, uh, later, but this song, uh, from Celso Piña, Cumbia Sobre el Rio, I think is a little bit more similar to cumbia sonidera. Which yeah. is known for its like shout outs from like a DJ or sonidero uh, and has more like electronic riffs throughout the song. Yeah, sonidero is super big in, in Mexico City. I can't even picture a Mexico without cumbia. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that um, insane that I honestly really thought <laughs> cumbia was. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, yeah, and even I think like in Mexico, the way that we dance cumbia is like maybe even different. Well, I also, okay, that's, maybe I shouldn't say that because I don't know how Colombians dance cumbia, but like, you know, in Mexico, it's like very elaborate and there's so much like spinning and, you know, all these like 
different ways of spinning. It's so confusing, but also it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dancing cumbia is the best. I remember um, when I was in high school, I used to practice dancing cumbia with my friend Saul. Shout out, Saul, if you're listening to this. Remember when we would dance cumbia in your living room? <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I learned how to dance cumbia a little later in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for, you know, giving us some context to Celso Piña and reminding us he's Mexican and <laughs> not Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, before we move on to that, I forgot to mention a few things about... The origins of cumbia so like i mentioned in the beginning there's like a lot of drama among like anthropologists historians and ethnomusicologists of where cumbia comes from and i read uh that one scholar argues that cumbia comes from a death ritual from a specific group uh the chimia indians and he wrote that it was a death ritual meaning like when someone died, they would dance around a pregnant woman. So if there was a pregnant woman in the community, they would all gather around her and dance because they thought that was like the person who just passed was possibly being reincarnated in this new life. So they would dance around her and that's how Cumbia was born. I thought that was really interesting. And then there was another scholar that said cumbia does not have a single hint of Africa in it and that it is very much exclusively Colombian only. This this scholar was like, nope, slavery had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Black people had nothing to do with it. Like, no Africa, no nothing. This is just exclusively Colombian. I found that really, really hard to believe, especially after I read everything about like cumbia coming from the word cumbe um yeah. uh, so i was like uh, i'm sorry sir <laughs> <laughs> i don't agree with you <laughs> uh yeah so i just wanted to share um two more of the theories of where cumbia comes from yeah um, i actually read and heard somewhere too just to toss another theory in there <laughs> uh, cumbia was originally a mating ritual oh i could see that uh. <laughs> it's very much a mating ritual when you're dancing <laughs> uh, so yeah <laughs> okay cool cool let's keep all of these in mind everyone do your own fucking research <laughs> Never believe anything anyone tells you. I know I don't. Actually, I, I, I can be very gullible, but I always like to double check things and, you know, research these on your own and, you know, make up your minds about which one you want to believe. Uh, <laughs> or you can just listen to us. <laughs> Hopefully you trust us enough to uh, go with our, the one we chose. Okay, so... Let's move on to another awesome cumbia song. Mm-hmm. 
So we just heard Sonido Amazonico by Los Mirlos. And the song came out sometime in the 1970s. And now we are going to dive in to Peruvian cumbia, which is known as cumbia chicha, which is also known as psychedelic cumbia. <laughs> and this was born in the 1960s in Peru when oil companies were coming into towns and working in the Peruvian Amazon. So working class people and Americans started mixing cumbia with psychedelic and surf rock. And thus was born Cumbia Chicha. Uh, and it's really cool. Uh, I love it. It's like after a long day, you just kind of want to lay back and, you know, listen to this. <laughs> the band so los mirlos are named after a black bird in their native jungle so if you google the mirlo bird you're just gonna see a black bird and they are the uncrowned kings of tropical peruvian cumbia or cumbia amazon amazonica uh or cumbia chicha there's so many names to it i keep finding <laughs> like cumbia amazonica but it's mostly known as Honestly, it's sold as psychedelic cumbia to, like, Anglo listeners. Because I found this. <laughs> yeah. People are like, ooh, psychedelic music from the Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, dude. White people really love the idea of the other, of the exotic, you know? It's so fucking problematic. But it, it fucking continues all the time. Like, I see that shit on Spotify where they try to sell you, like, I saw a playlist called something like Selva Amazonica. And it had um, two guys wearing a headdress, like a, like a, like a Native American kind of headdress. And, you know, they're trying to sell you an experience, like, oh, if you listen to this playlist, you'll be transported to the Amazon, <laughs> or some shit like that, you know? Uh, and like, so weird. I know, and it's crazy, because it's all over. We see it in advertisements, we see it, like, on social media, and we're so, like, immune to it. Not immune, but, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Numb! numb yes no no there's there's a specific word i'm looking for but you know like it's there all the time that we just don't notice it anymore but i notice it because i'm hella observant (laughs) you can't fool me (laughs) i totally notice it too and it's so weird and earlier we were talking about ethnomusicology yeah and the one class that i took uh, i took one ethnomusicology course in college and it mm-hmm. was about like the Latin the Latina body f- feminine or mystique. I don't know. It was about Latin women in <clears throat> in Spanish music. Um, and when we were talking about women going into Anglo markets, it was very much about images of the other. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, because that's like. How you sell, you know, like the typical when you think of like the the Latina, especially like, I don't know, in the 40s, 50s, you always think about like, oh, that the woman with all the fruits in her hair. Oh, I forgot that lady's name. I forgot her name, too, but I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Um, I think her name is Carmen something or other, but yeah. So the other, it's like, it's, yeah, it's how you would get into the Anglo market. Yeah. Cause it's intriguing. Cause these people are like, I want to see something cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're so bored with is, ourselves. <laughs> what is this thing I don't know about? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Chicha, Cumbia Chicha, is actually named after a corn-based liquor from the Incas. And if you ever go to a Peruvian restaurant, there's on the menu, you're always going to see Agua de Chicha. It's just like a purple corn drink, and it is delicious. It is so good. Have you ever had it? Have you had it? No. I have. Oh, it's uh... so good. Oh, my God. I just remembered our trip. <laughs> watching um well i finished it already but i was watching street foods of latin america mm-hmm. and there's an episode on peru um yeah. and they i think maybe it wasn't that episode they talk about how there's a festival de chicha but yeah. anyway but then i was like that oh, i had so many emotions during that episode i, so I was like, know we were Me supposed to go there the, the entire like, time i watched it i was telling my sister that that could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, one, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, maybe we can still go. And then I was like, but what if we can't? Because <laughs> what is it? Uh, AC after COVID? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah, so to our listeners, Yeyo and I had an entire trip planned out we were supposed to leave like what march 15th march 16th march 16th something like that something like that you know we had our tickets we signed up to do this amazing trek called the salgantai trek and i was prepping for that shit like i was running i was training (laughs) i signed i signed up to fucking orange Theory was going religiously. I was working out more than I've ever worked out in my life because I was like, I'm going to be hiking for five days at (laughs) this ridiculous altitude and I'm going to need to be fit as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I did all that training for nothing because obviously peru closed its borders like it was one of the first countries to actually close its borders and we couldn't go anymore and it was very na- like, sad in retrospective that was probably the smartest thing to do because honestly you and i were still like we could go like <laughs> <laughs> we're like we could get stranded in peru it would be no yeah. problem it would be the best adventure ever <laughs> Yeah, so we didn't get to go. We still, like, our airlines gave us our vouchers or whatever. So, I mean, the tickets are still there. When are we going to be able to go? Who knows? So let's listen to some cumbia chicha meanwhile. And, yes, that was basically the wonderful story of how electric guitars and cumbias created this trippy hybrid we now know as cumbia chicha, or as the whites like to call it. Psychedelic <laughs> cumbia. <laughs> so the compilation I recommend is called Roots of Chicha, Psychedelic Cumbias from Peru. There is a part one and a part two, so check it out if you are interested 
and you know listening to this and chilling (laughs) (laughs) all right next song
Que Nadie Sepa Mi Sufrir, another classic, by La Sonora Dinamita, uh, with Margarita Vargas, La Diosa de la Cumbia, from their 1990 album, La Tropicalísima. And I always thought La Sonora Dinamita <laughs> was Mexican. <laughs> Yep, same here. Uh, I got it all wrong, you guys. I don't know how I've survived this far, but... Uh, La Sonora Dinamita is a musical group that formed in Cartagena de Indias, Colombia in the 1960s. Um, and they disbanded in 1963, but reformed again in 1975. Um, and then in 1981, the group recorded its first successful recordings, which include the song Mikuku, which I'm sure a lot of us out here know that song. <laughs> yeah. Don't fuck with my cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what she says over and over again. Yeah. Not the Not me cuckoo. 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 <laughs> Yep. Um, <laughs> that song, I like, it's, uh, it just reminds me of when I was little. <laughs> um, yeah, and even though their lineup has changed throughout the years, it has always had a strong female vocalist uh, to accompany its 10-piece brass instrumentation. So it's a pretty big band. Um, and La Sonora Dinamita was one of the first cumbia groups to reach international success. And it is credited with popularizing the genre throughout Latin America. Um, yes. I feel like, you know, we all spend our Saturday mornings helping our moms do the limpieza. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to La Sonora Dinamita, you know, getting your groove on and washing the dishes. <laughs> <and> doing... <laughs> Mopping the floor. <laughs> Yeah, man, this is such a, like, a Saturday morning classic, but also a Saturday night classic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think it's, like, to prep for the nighttime. It's, like, during the day, it hypes you, and then at night, when you're ready to go to a party and actually dance the song, you're like, oh, it's okay, I already rehearsed with my mop. Exactly. <laughs> We're good to go. <laughs> Honestly, though, I'm mind blown that La Sonora Dinamita is actually from Colombia. <laughs> I know! Like, I've all these years I've heard my mom talk about La Sonora Dinamita, my abuelita, yeah. all my tias, how much they love them. I just assumed they were Mexican. You know what? Honestly, if we ask them, like, hey, do you know where La Sonora Dinamita is from? I think they're gonna think they're from Mexico, too, you know? Maybe I'll ask them before we release this episode. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. <laughs> oh, learning so much. We had it all backwards. This, we thought Celso Pina was from Colombia, and he's the one that's actually Mexican. Uh, oh, my God. What do you have for us next, Yvette? I have another cumbia. Uh, so let's listen to it. One, two, three, four, five, six. 
aquí las cumbia quiz, representando alegría de la buena, desde invierno hasta la primavera, mírala como sube, mírala como que suena, cumbia nena no es cualquiera, porque queima el mal humor y dice adiós a las penas, vamos a bailar con las chicas de Ipanema. Celosa by the Cumbia Queers from their album La Gran Estafa Tropi Punk, uh, which was released in 2010. And this is an example of what we call, or what Argentinos called Cumbia Villera, 
Uh, so cumbia villera is again another subgenre of cumbia, and to me, it's like the most fun one. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, really like it. So cumbia queers uh, is an Argentine tropical punk band. And they are from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they formed in 2007, so they're pretty recent. And it consists of six girl punk rockers who got together one day and decided to start a side project just for fun. When they started, uh, they initially were just a cover band, and they would cover, you know, songs by The Cure and, like, a lot of 80s, 90s acts, and then they would... Um, replace their lyrics with like really queer lyrics um hence the name the cumbia queers uh then they started doing uh their own original stuff and that's when i started listening to them i haven't really heard much of their cover stuff if you listen to their album la gran estafa del tropipunk you're gonna hear a lot of those queer uh double meaning <laughs> things that they that they're known for so cumbia villera, like I said, is a subgenre of cumbia music. It originated in the slums of Argentina, and it translates to ghetto cumbia. Um, so yeah, it is. <laughs> they specifically listen to it in Las Villas, which refers to working class neighborhoods, um, shanty towns, basically. And when there was an economic boom in the 90s that led to a mass migration of people from other Latin American countries to Argentina, but slowly things started to fall apart, and with massive unemployment and poverty, the Villa started to fill up, and Cumbia Villera was, like, born there, basically. So it's kind of like the equivalent of, like, the hood here in the States, which is where I live. <laughs> The equivalent of what is that? What would be like the equivalent in Brazil are like the favelas. The favelas, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes. So las villas in in Argentina are like I don't know, South Central in LA, basically, and um, it's basically the equivalent of gangster rap because it talks about poverty, crime, drugs, and like a criminal lifestyle. But what I like about like, the Cumbia Queers is that they, like, flip the script. And there's a song called Chica de Calendario on their album. And it's basically, the, the vocalist is pretending she is a, a car mechanic, right? And she's singing about the woman in the calendar. So <laughs> she's basically saying, like, I masturbate to her, like... The woman from March is, like, the prettiest, but, like, the one from September, like, <laughs> you know, basically saying, like, she enjoys flipping through the calendar every month because there's another woman she could be inspired by. <laughs> so, you know how, like, men tend to do that, you know, like, all of yeah. these sexy calendars are geared toward men. And she's like, nah, these are for women, too. Like, we, too, can <laughs> We too can enjoy other things, you know? <laughs> so I thought the Cumbia Queers, I think they're amazing. I actually saw them, I think in 2014, they were opening a show for Ana Tijoux. Um, yes, so I was so excited to see Ana Tijoux. And I had no idea who the Cumbia Queers were. And I had no intention of 
like paying attention to their <laughs> to their performance but when I got there I was like ooh like what is this beautiful thing I'm hearing on stage and it was the Cumbia Queers and I have been a follower since so they are great live and they're so like they're so silly like they act like total fools on stage I fucking love it and they're all queer women who just rock you know that's awesome yeah so I chose them there's a lot of um cumbia villera groups bands whatever but I chose the cumbia queers because I feel like in this podcast I want to highlight a little bit of everything and I don't want to be like super Mexican centric or like I I don't want to just talk about things I know like I'm interested in learning about other things, other countries, you know, exploring, just exploring more. Uh, yeah, so, yay, listen to the Cumbia Queers. They're so much fun. Yeah, so I guess we're ready for our next song, Yayo. What do you have for us? Um, let's take a listen.
Carcacha by the one and only Selena um, from her 1992 album Entre a Mi Mundo. Um, yeah, and this is a very clear example of Tecnocumbia, which is one of the subgenres that developed in Mexico. Um, and Tecnocumbia is a fusion of electric instruments, synthesizers, and samplers. Um, and it was developed sometime in, in the 80s. Um, and Selena is, was considered the queen of Tex-Mex, but she also had a lot of cumbia, uh, cumbia songs, um, as part of her repertoire. Um, she has a song literally called Tecno Cumbia. <laughs> yeah, and she, I think her music was heavily influenced by cumbia, and to those of us who have seen the movie... <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> you're welcome j-lo <laughs> you know the scene where her mom is teaching her like oh mija this is cumbia like this oh yeah, is how yeah, you yeah. Dance dancing the... in the yeah a lot of well, her dance moves were like cumbia inspired yeah um, yeah she's learning how to do the washing machine <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, so we came full circle again here at TVD. <laughs> I just said I don't want to be like self-centered or like Mexican-centric or whatever, but here I go bringing it back to us and bringing it back <laughs> to our techno cumbia queen, Selena. Um, you know, it's great. Like we talked about cumbia's humble origins and, and explored how it, you know, how every country kind of, like, took its own take on it, and now we made it all the way back to the U.S. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about learning about cumbia was just how it's it's just the music of Latin America, you know? It's, yeah, It's yeah. not just, like, it came from Colombia, but then, like, we, everyone in... Todos Latinos, you know, they love cumbia. They can associate it, like, hearing it growing up, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Which I just think is so cool. Um, yeah. yeah. All thanks to migration. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just the sharing of, like, cultures with each other, you know? I feel like the more you know about other people, the more understanding and accepting you become of them right that is one of the things that i love about traveling and one of the things that like i loved about since you were talking about this earlier um kind of that drew me to anthropology it's <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like the learning of other cultures and then being like oh this is it's so cool for me to like go other places and be like oh this reminds me of this from my home or like this from my childhood you know and realizing it's all very much the same <laughs> yeah it is all very much the same i love it i love it too 
And yeah, and you know, the one and only Selena, I love her a lot, and I'm sure you'll be hearing about her more from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, um, yeah, I love Selena. She's Mexican-American, identify with her a lot, and you know, she was influenced a lot by the music that she grew up in and around um, to sort of create her own fusion and sound. Uh, which is what she became known for, you know? And another reason why I love her so much is because she was able to sort of, like, flourish in this genre of music that was very heavily male, you know? So to me, she's, like, a feminist symbol of sorts. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. R.I.P. Selena, we miss you. Yes, we do. So that's a wrap for today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and listening to us mostly laugh. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like we were all over the place in this episode. So thank you so much for bearing with us and, you know, coming along this wild ride of us trying to make sense of cumbia. Uh, before we leave, I want to send some shout outs. I want to send a shout out to my library homies, Randall. Thank you for always listening to us and always, you know, giving me positive feedback. And also to my friend Ulises, who sent me a really cool message last time that I just spaced out on what it was. (laughs) But thank you for listening to us. And I want to give a special shout out to my childhood and lifelong friend, Vidi who is a busy, busy mom who still makes time to listen to us while she cares for her kids. And, you know, sorry for all the cuss words today. (laughs) (laughs) I hope uh, your kids were not around. And last but not least, happy birthday, Wendy. I love you lots. Thank you for listening to us and always sending me cool, encouraging messages about this podcast. Yay! And don't fucking forget to vote, you guys. <laughs> don't forget to register to vote. Send in your ballots super early because you vote know early. dumbass is trying to do everything to stop our vote from counting. So, you know, vote for those that can't, yo. Like, we can vote. Let's vote for our tias, our... You know, all of our undocumented family members and, you know, all the people that matter that don't have a voice. Actually, I take that back because everyone has a voice, okay? (laughs) Vote for those who can't vote, okay? Don't be assholes. Don't listen to us if you're not voting. (laughs) That got really aggressive. I'm sorry. Just go vote, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Please go vote. Um, Vote early. Um, If you don't feel safe sending in your ballot, go drop it off. Um, Yeah, and I just want to give a shout out to my pops who says I'm following in his footsteps. (laughs) Slowly turning into little boots. (laughs) Um, love you dad and yeah thank you all for listening and we'll catch you on the next one bye bye I love you bye love you too